Um, so the title for the sermon today, What Does It Mean to Take the Lord's Name in Vain? It's primarily going to be driven by the third commandment. <clears throat> but give you some context of where, how the message came to be or, or where it came from is, is mostly from a congregational question, meaning um, how, do you, how do you give credit when somebody says, God told me this, or God told me to tell you that, or I, I have a vision, I have a dream, those kind of things. <clears throat> and so there's been some uh, teaching on that. But so that, that was where I started the week with that question. But something that's uh, also been on the back of my mind is, uh, is using the Lord's name in vain. And, and I, and I uh, give credit to my kids because uh, you're watching a movie like Trolls. Innocent cartoon type movie, but there's this really dumb character that says, oh my God. And just a number of times, and the kids are like, every time it happened, when we first watch it, they cringe a little. Like you get that little twitch sort of thing. And, and I wasn't having that twitch. I was like, oh, it's just a movie, forget about it. But the twitch was there. I'm like, this is a teachable moment. And I partially missed it. And so that, that's been on my mind. And then I, I listened to uh, a sermon by Chip Ingram. Um, just he's on uh, satellite radio. I take it for free while you got a car for a bit. But anyways, um, I've been listening. He did a sermon and he was going through the commandments and it was on uh, the third commandment. And so the teaching today is kind of all of this coming together and uh, giving back to you what I wanted to do personally to be able to invest in my children and hopefully help out with that. So with that, if you could turn to Exodus in chapter 20, um, this is where the scripture lists out the Ten Commandments, and that's going to be our, uh, our scripture reading for today. And I'm just going to be reading from the NIV version. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth, beneath or in the water below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love and keep my commandments. Number seven, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For, your, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day of the Sabbath of the Lord your God, on it you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your son or daughter nor your maidservant, manservant or maidservant, not your animals nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land, and the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox, donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Uh, let's bow our heads in prayer before we start the lesson. God, thanks for your word. And uh, 
thank, thank you for being God. And I just pray, Lord, that uh, I can be a vessel for you this morning. I can step aside from my own nervousness and uh, not feeling like I can do this. But I just pray, God, that, that it's all you. And that you teach and deliver a message to, in a way that teaches everyone in this room. That they're able to take away and hopefully learn and hear something that they've never heard before. Have a realization, an aha moment. Or just take that extra step in their maturity towards uh, being more like you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the family in this room. And I look forward to going through the lesson today. Amen. All right. So, um, first we'll go with the slides. The third commandment coming from Exodus 20, verse 7. And again, just to repeat them uh, in both the NIV and the NASB version, because you always get a little bit of different verbiage in there and it helps to define and give context because again from a Bible teaching point of view we want to observe the text we want to then see what we can like we want to observe and pull away from it we want to see what the lessons are like from doing those observations and we want to apply it to our lives okay so you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name keyword Misuse. Then, in the NSAB version, you have, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Let's go to some definitions. To misuse. Specifically, take up in vain, no purpose, void, empty, evil intent. Should I be speaking? Would it be better if Just I spoke into there? Okay. Alright. So again, misuse. To misuse something is to take up in vain, no purpose, void, empty. The word vain in and of itself, when in scripture, from a Greek point of view, is shav. And uh, thanks to Andrew's research on this, I totally pulled that out of his work. Just I'm not going to take credit. <laughs> and uh, it means empty, empty, worthless, and falsehood. So again... To take up the Lord's name in vain or to misuse it, think of void, empty, evil intent, worthless, and falsehood. Okay? That's what we're grabbing. That's our key observation of what God is trying to tell us in the third commandment. So what can we observe from this point? Number one, to me, the command is in the top three. That tells me this is kind of important. When I tell my kids something, or I tell you something, I'm probably going to put the most important piece at the end, but there is strategy for doing it, I mean at the beginning, but there is strategy for the end when you want to hit it home. But I'm not, I, there's nothing backing this. I'm just saying when God says, you shall not use, misuse my name at the beginning, I'm going to give that some credence. The name of the Lord must be important. That's something we can observe directly from the text. And there is significant meaning when evoking the name of God. And again, for the word evoke for the young children, it's to speak out, to declare, to use in the context of the situation that you're in. Alright, so this is where I wake up the kids. Josiah, Aaliyah. Hey, there's Jared. I think Adlin's out there somewhere. Hey there, Adlin. Awesome. Okay, so... 
What we want to talk about is the name. A name is important. Why is a name important? And hopefully this helps bring this home. Okay, so kids and congregation, when I say this name, what comes to mind? And this is person, place, or thing. Cheeseburger. What comes to mind? McDonald's. McDonald's. Okay. Anything else? Burger Bear. <laughs> Burger Bear. <laughs> okay. Fix it. Daddy fixing. Okay. Tim the tool man. Yeah. yeah. Bob the builder. <laughs> Jackson, I haven't heard you say anything. I know you're thinking about it. Race car, Jackson. What do you think? What? Speed. Yeah, but isn't there a specific race car that we saw? McLaren, yeah. We saw the car show. When I say the name trustworthy, person, place, or thing, what comes to mind? Okay. You think of someone specific? Do you think of an item? Yes, Adeline. Jesus. Jesus. Good. Thanks for your answer. When I say the name strong, person, place, or thing, what comes to mind? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I paid him. <laughs> no, I didn't. Thanks, Jerry. Okay. Just, you don't have to say it, but <clears throat> the words in and of themselves create association. And that's really what's also coming from Scripture. The name of God should create and have association. I got a few more for you. When I see the name of this product, what comes to mind? Lego. What's that? Fun. Thank you. Steam train. Adeline? Expensive. <laughs> Ten cents a brick. Lego City? Awesome. <clears throat> How about Nintendo? You think switch? Tech? Yeah, okay. Okay. When I say the name Cadbury, adults, what do you think? Mm, I think yumminess. Doesn't matter the I don't it doesn't matter the bar, they all taste good. Um, Coca-Cola. <laughs> Tasty. Okay. Good. Okay, now we're going to transition from the product name and we're going to come to people. Okay, this might be more come from the adult group, but thanks for your participation, young ones. Donald Trump. What comes to mind? What's a word? Scary. Scary. <laughs> President, thank you. <laughs> Trustworthy. Trustworthy. <laughs> Untrustworthy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Justin Trudeau. Trustworthy. Okay. <laughs> Dan Jansen. Trust. Thank you. Integrity. I hope. Billy Graham. Solid. Solid. Thank you. Thanks. Great. So, names, descriptions, the misuse of them. McDonald's holds, like the interesting thing is cheeseburger, you think McDonald's. That is, that is the core of McDonald's business, is to say when you say fries or cheeseburger, who do you think of? Right away, Golden Arches, okay? 
and for Lego. They hold very tight to the, to the way they build things, their quality. For Nintendo, for Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is, uh, like, if you think about it, you think of the red symbol, the white letters, and you think of the glass bottle. And then someone tip it up and go, ah. And it's not always they're saying, ah, because it tastes good. It's because it burned all the way down the throat. So. <laughs> Anyways, okay. And <laughs> a name is important. And I got a boogie because I got a lot of stuff to show you. Okay. So, I apologize for it being small. But the goofy thing, as I put more stuff on the page, it made the letters small. And, I didn't want to take up too much space. So, anyways, I'll have to uh, read some of this to you and then uh, go from there. So, what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? So now we want to explore the name of the Lord. And now you've got some context to how important a name can be. Let's talk about what God's names were in Scripture. A name is synonymous with one's character, reputation, <clears throat> and authority. And that's why I mentioned those four individuals specifically. A sample of some names for God and their meanings are um, Eloah, which is God mighty, strong, and prominent. There is another Elohim, God creator, mighty, strong. Um, again, I, I have all of the scripture references up there and I, I'm going to have to blow by this stuff. I can't get into it, but again, it's, I'll share it with you if you want. El Shaddai is another name for God, God Almighty, the Mighty One of Jacob. It speaks to God's ultimate power overall. Adonai, Lord, in small case, meaning used in place of YHWH. Really neat thing. When Levitical scribes would translate the Bible, which was one of their roles, I heard this story, is they would specifically leave the vowels out of YHWH because the name of Yahweh was so sacred to them, they couldn't complete it. And when they did complete it, there was a ceremonial act to do so. They, to come back and complete it, they had to go, they had to take off their clothes, ceremonial wash, grab a new pen, write a letter. And then they do it again, write a letter. And then they do it again and write a letter. And that's just a story I read, and again, the context of it I can't give you, but that's trying to tell you how important the name of Yahweh is. So again, the next name, Yahweh, Jehovah, Lord in capital letters. So when we translate the Bible into English, when you put the Lord, when you see Lord in capital letters, it's Yahweh, which means, again, the only proper name for God. And it's distinguished from Adonai because it's the Lord over all, name above all names, high and mighty. Then we have Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will provide. Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. So as you explore the names for the Lord, the associated meanings, and a sample of them, are Almighty, Strong, Prominent, Lord in uppercase, Everlasting, Provider, Healer, Creator, Lord of Lords, Shepherd, Sees All and Forgives. Therefore, we can conclude about Jesus' name is that to evoke the name of God is to call upon his character, his reputation, and his authority. So the third commandment is telling you, you shall not misuse the name of a God because his name is above all names. It has such importance. 
Take it seriously. Be very careful when you bring the name of God into your conversation in any way. And we'll, we'll explore that. The last thing I want, again, the sentence at the end, our use of God's name in the word, in, in word, so writing it, in thought, in deed, will reflect our view of God and our relationship to Him. Do we think about this in our conversations when things comes up? And that's kind of what I wanted to have you consider. All right, so there's four different ways that uh, from my study that I would like to articulate to you how we can use God's name in vain. The first one is in taking oaths. And thanks, Andrew, for that. In taking oaths, an oath is a solemn promise. So in taking an oath in God's name that we do not keep is essentially taking God's name in vain. And we have some uh, historical text to, to present and talk about. Specifically in Deuteronomy 10.20, it says, Fear the Lord your God and serve Him. Hold fast to Him and take oaths in His name. If you go back to that passage and you want to look at context, is the Israel, again, I'll just, I put a lot of information up there because I had a hard time squeezing it down. So my notes is what you get to read with me today. So hopefully that's all right. You don't have to worry about keeping up with all the data. I can send it to you. So in the context of Deuteronomy 10.20, Israel has left a pagan culture. Pagan culture meaning a whole lot of stuff goes. God is teaching His people how to live before Him. One of the things He wants them to learn is to tell the truth and to do right and to fear God. An oath in God's name meant it was locked tight and totally trustworthy. So in this culture of distrust and everything, when I went to my buddy Jordan and we came out of a pagan culture where everything goes and I wanted Jordan to trust me I would say I swear in the Lord's name that I will do what I'm going to do and in that culture in that situation that meant bang no legal contract no nothing God's name was supreme holy it had all kinds of context to it I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do now over time though this taking an oath in God's name um, deteriorated and start and turned into taking oaths in the name of Israel in the name of Jerusalem and thanks for pointing that out Andrew so in Matthew 5 33 to 37 we have Jesus teaching and again and this is what he says again you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not make false vows but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord but I say to you make an oath Make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of His feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes or no, anything beyond that is of evil. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. So quit. So I guess I'll just read what I said. So basically, Jesus says, let's forget all this oath stuff. The whole point of taking an oath in the name of God was to bring about integrity, to bring integrity to the conversation. And now you've actually taken the command and built integrity into the life of Israel or items or use it for a legal, legal loophole, and you're not really telling the truth. So it's lost its credibility. Don't do that. Stop doing that. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. So the issue was and is basically being a person of your word. 
And when you would do or take the name of the Lord and then not keep your promise, you were and are misusing or taking the name of the Lord in vain. And when you remember the definition of vain, empty, worthless, false, and w without meaning. So again, that's, and all this points back to why the name of the Lord is so important and why Scripture says, shall not use. Uh, and I forgot to make that point. If the reason I read all the Ten Commandments was, he uses the same language, shall not steal, shall not murder. These are pretty serious things. You're not, everybody in this room is not thinking of murdering. For sure, it's really bad. But it's in the same context, shall not misuse. And that's just, again, trying to hit home importance. Uh, just listening to uh, how do you bring this home and, and what does it look like, uh, this one kind of hits home for me, is uh, an example of um, taking an oath and misusing it in today's culture is, let's say, a business transaction with another Christian. The guy loves God. I love God. If I can't trust his word, what can I trust? And what I learned is, I couldn't trust his word. And you're breaking an oath. The context of this is, uh, in my transition from bank to trying another job to doing a little consulting and then finding a business, is I found a, I found a business opportunity. The gentleman in charge of the business is a man of faith, claiming to be so. Great, right away, by him saying, I believe in God and I have faith, I have him on a pedestal here. I have expectations of said person. And I'm hopefully hoping in a good way. Over a period of time, um, certain things fell apart. His word would not come through to fruition and, and a number of other things. And we ended up parting ways and never talking to the person again because honestly there's an absolute lack of integrity. A business partner is in with me on this. He's the guy with the money. He puts the money in, this all falls apart, his money is an absolute loss. And he's written it off. And here's the conversation with my friend at the end of all this. This is what he said, I hope I'm going to say it right. As soon as the other gentleman said in the conversation he was a Christian, my partner automatically, I lifted him on a pedestal. My partner put him right here. He says, he's going to screw me. Sorry for the language, but he's going to take us for a ride. And he says, it came true. And I'm that much more closed off to someone claiming to be a Christian. This is uh, such an important example of why God's name or claiming to be a Christian had, carries more weight in our culture than we give it credit for. It's just huge. And... Uh, I don't discourage getting into business with another Christian. Um, if it's another situation, it's just as we talked about before, is you go into it with absolute prayer and the wisdom of what Scripture can tell you where you enter into that. This is, a, this is another one. And not, and not really, I've never related Third Covenant, which is, says you shall not misuse the name of the Lord to the marriage vow. The marriage vow in church is before witnesses and before God, saying, I do and I do. And till death to us part, I do. I'm committed to you forever, I do. You're making an oath before God. So to break that oath, again, um, it's like to break that oath and walk away from it, in context, would be to take the name of the Lord in vain. 
Now we've done teaching. I have some personal experience in figuring this one out on the whole marriage and divorce thing. But again, here's what I want to say is, in the case of divorce in marriage, using scripture, a case can be made where it is and where it is not um, okay, per se. And we bring us back to scripture, specifically in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 7, verses 11 and 15. 11 says don't, 15 says here's a situation of a believer and an unbeliever where it, it's a, it, it can be permitted. So they're not breaking the oath, but over here they are. But again, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that to you in the fact that every situation is entirely unique. Um, my sister went through it. I, I don't want to say whatever's happened in anybody's history. I just want to uh, impart to you the importance that we sometimes miss in considering the marriage vow. It's an oath. It's a covenant you're making before God. And God's name is associated with this covenant. And if we don't respect that, you're at risk of using God's name in vain. And it hurts his reputation and everything on our culture. So, yep, better rock and roll. Secondly, how, what's another way that we can use God's name in vain? In carrying out empty religious devotion. And uh, we get this from some teaching that Andrew did back at the beginning when he was going through Exodus. And I was very fortunate that he could share some information with me. But we take this from uh, the book of Isaiah, and uh, specifically chapter 1, verses 10 to 14. And this is a context of scripture where the Greek word shav is actually used. Therefore, it should bring context to the fact that shav was used when, when, the, when the commandment was given. So again, instead of reading it, I would like to, but I also want to make sure we get through our content. I'm sorry. But in context, the people of Israel wanted nothing to do with God. And they continued to worship in annual sa animal sacrifices and religious feasts and festivals. God could not stand their religious practices in this text. Even though he was the one who instituted them in the law of Moses. He wanted them to stop because they were offering them in shav way. So false, empty, worthless. It was just like, I'm just doing this because this is my culture. But it had no meaning. God requested them to do these things in, out of respect for his request because, he loved, because they loved him. And he wanted a relationship with them. So again, um, so he wanted them to stop because they're not doing, their sacrifices were being offered in emptiness, not in reverence for God. Not because they loved him or feared him or they were grateful for who he was and what he had done. They were doing it out of ritual practice. We've always done it this way. Always going to do it this way. Therefore, here we go. Just and and I think back to uh, to uh, my hometown where I grew up, Gull Lake. I think of everybody that went to the United Church. I, I can't tell you the number of times that it bothered me of all the hockey families that I traveled with, what they would do on weekends, and yet they were all in church at the United Church on Sunday. I don't mean to pick on the United Church. That's not what I'm trying to say here. I'm trying to say is that all these individuals showed up at church on Sunday because it was a generational thing. It wasn't because they were going to try and be a better person and closer to God during the week. Because if they were doing that, I wouldn't have seen or heard of and saw the different type of things that we saw and heard in a, in a small town sort of thing. So here you have a case of religious devotion was void of relationship. They didn't want their character changed in accordance with God's desire. 
and God's eyes, his sacrifices were in vain. They were making a mockery of who he was. God did not want their religion. He wanted their relationship. And so my last question was for all of you. Can you think of examples in our current culture where a ritual practice is void of true meaning? And uh, I can think of a few. And again, to bring it up is to hopefully help you kind of realize that and, and not to let that sense, the sensitivity to it is not a bad thing. Be super sensitive because they're teaching moments for the young people that, that we have around us. Okay. Number three, in false prophecy. And so here's, here's where it comes to light the congregational question is, how do I look through, how do I um, validate saying, God told me to tell you this, or God's telling me to go on the mission field, or I had a dream about this. How do we validate that? And so we look to scripture in the area of, in the pro, in the area of prophecy. And again, we'll, we'll get down towards that question. The passage in the Bible is Ezekiel 13, 1 through 10. Again, I'm sorry I don't have time to, to read that through you word for word, but I'll give you the, the Coles Notes type version. So here we have Ezekiel, and he's speaking out against the false prophets in Israel. The false prophets in Israel, they were taking the Lord's name in vain by falsely representing him in two different ways. By declaring they were saying what came directly from God, by declaring what they were seeing came directly from God. And so, again, in the scripture text, when you read it, look for how many times the word false is in there. And that will tell you how they're misusing the, names, the, the name of the Lord. So, but God made it clear to Ezekiel that he was not the source. And they were making it up. And you'll see that in the beginning, verses 2 through 3. The false prophets believed that their own inspiration could be directed from God. And then uh, Andrew brought up this in his study. In Jeremiah 17.9, um, there's a warning. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? These prophets in Ezekiel's story, in the context there, they believed in their own hearts. Inspiration was God's inspiration. God speaking to them. And the things they were dreaming were from God, but they were deceived. Because if you look at the full context of Scripture... A false prophet's message from God equaled prosperity for Israel. Not anything about them changing or conviction or warning from God. So does, this, so does the false prophet's message of prosperity and good times and you're going to win and all this stuff, does that truly line up with what God is doing when he communicates to us? In general, and again, I apologize for not more specifics, when God is coming to us and communicating to us, He's communicating a lesson. He's communicating who He is, what we need to strive towards, and maybe where we need to change, because that will create a closer relationship with Him. It's not about prosperity. Prosperity will come because prosperity in the fact that your mind is not carrying a whole bunch of junk. You're not dealing with all kinds of issues in culture. You're right with the Lord, and He's behind you 100% all the way. So in context, again, for today, we hear people say, God told me to tell you something, or you won't believe what God told me in a, or showed me in a dream. And again, how do we test that God is the source and actually speaking? 
Well, I'm going to make you do the homework. If you go onto our website and you look on April 28th, 2019, this year, uh, the sermon from 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21, we, we went through it, Andrew went through it in great detail. God communicates in, in dreams, He communicates in visions, in an audible voice. Okay, those are ways God does communicate. And, and there's ways that that does happen. But again, in Scripture, we relate it to the, what God is doing for us. He's teaching and helping us out. So again, what's God doing when He speaks to us or gives us dreams? He's leading us into moral direction of character and away from sin and to be more like Him. That, that's the purpose and the intent. And also, it's true. When God's name is behind a prophecy, it comes true. There's validity in that all in and of itself. You can now trust a uh, prediction because a guy like Daniel interpreted the dream. Bang on truth. That's how you can trust and have validity behind those type of statements. Okay, number four. Hey, we're getting closer. Last one. How are we doing for time? All right. Okay, last one. And this is, this is where I viewed the commandment. Oh, up till this week. I viewed the commandment of, of using the Lord's name in vain as in everyday irreverent conversation. So the, the word profanity. So blasphemous or obscene language. And that's really the most common place that we all see it as we're walking around Okotoks and, and other places or, or listening to conversations. So how I wanted to address um, this about using your Lord's name to gain the area of profanity is again from a, a scripture passage to give us some, some context of what God is saying. Matthew 12, 33 to 37. And again, I encourage you to read this when you have time. Again, Jesus is teaching. And this is something that's super serious and that I was really impacted with when I'm communicating with my kids. Is that every careless word that men shall speak they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So when I'm upset, and I'm angry, and I want to just go, I want to spit it all out, I'm accountable to those words. Scripture's telling me that. And, and how I use those words, and what's the meaning of those words, is super important. And that's for me a teaching moment for my kids. Because they inherited my fieriness and my wanting to shoot back a little bit. And they're going to get mad and they're going to say stuff to me. And I know they don't mean it, but in the moment they want to fire it off. Well, we are accountable to those words. And they're very important. They have, they have meaning. So again, God says here, your words are important. Be careful how you use them. Again, we translate this back to the name of God. It's very important how you use God's name with your words. So three levels of profanity that um, I feel we can relate to or, or see in our culture today where God's name is used in vain. It's empty, it's worthless, it's false. How about casualness with God's name? Using it as a filler word or as an expression of fear or an expression of excitement. When you call on God, you're bringing all, these you're bringing all of this integrity, this, this absolute amazingness, you're, you're bringing it into it. So yeah, like if something scares the tar out of you, it's like, oh my, right? You want it, like, I hear it, but it's not the right context for God's name. That's not how we're relating to him. So again, that's, it's, it can be a filler word. 
Uh, even if in a, I heard I was when I was reading, well, some the one uh, guy teaching said he he uh, is sensitive to it in, in prayer times, and where he say, Lord, 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 in in your in your talking to God, uh, just again, not that it's wrong, but understand that that word carries a whole lot of weight with it, and we need to respect it as we're using it, and then contempt for God's name. Uh, and that's when you uh, use it in a way as calculated malice toward God. And an example I found was a uh, little terror called Bart Simpson in his, uh, in his cartoon. And there's a lot in that cartoon series that blasphemies God. One specifically is, uh, he's in, the, in the situation is Bart Simpson bows his head and prays and says, We made all this stuff, so thanks for nothing. So it's just like, it's, it has a funny connotation to it, but it's, it's that slightness against God's character. And it's something that we have to be sensitive towards, right? We have to acknowledge this. And then the last one we're all very, very uh, familiar with, cursing God's name. And this one never hit me until really, like, it hit me. I, I don't like it when someone says it, period. But an example is when you say God and damn. And uh, to something or to someone. What you're doing is you're actually praying. You're addressing God first. The creator of the universe. The lover of your soul. The man of eternity. Like just the most amazing and all creative power in the world. You're saying God and then you're saying damn. To the thing or to the person. And what you're, what you're doing is you're, saying, you're knowingly or unknowingly, you're uttering a prayer, God, I want you to damnate this person and their soul forever and ever. Which <laughs> culture does not consider the seriousness, seriousness of that phrase. It's massive when you take it and you, under, and you fully explain it and look at the definition. So uh, what, I wanna list, what I want to uh, summarize from uh, how we use God's name by being using an irreverent conversation. Every time you use the name of God or Lord or Jesus and you don't mean anything by it, instead of meaning it to re represent his character, his reputation, his deeds, his holiness, his love, his power, and what he means to you, it's lifting his name up without purpose. It's lifting it up vainly. It's lifting it up even unintentionally with evil intent. So again, just for the kids, when you hear the word vain, it's not about looking in the mirror and, and looking how good you look today. Vain is about emptiness and void of, of meaning. And, and what I wanted to leave you with is, is the teachable moments that we all have in and around us. And, and again, subject to who you're with in the context of it is when you hear it in a movie, uh, when you hear it in the culture, and, and your child says, oh, they said that, um, don't sweep it under the carpet. Take a moment to say, yes, they said that. And, uh, and take a moment to say, yes, God's name is to be revered. It's so important. It's not a moment to judge the person saying it. We don't know where they're at. We know what they're doing. And they might not be educated by it. But we have a moment to maintain the sensitivity of it in our children, which is going to translate to them as they get older. And then hopefully it creates our own sensitive. So again, for us parents, really watch those teachable moments. Now to our lessons.
and uh, I have five lessons to impart to you this morning that we can take away from, from Scripture here. When we as Christians break our vow or our oaths to God and others, we are taking the Lord's name in vain. That person might not be a Christian. That person might be a Christian. When you say you're going to do what you're going to do, do it. Because if you don't, yeah, you might take a little bit of a hit. God takes a greater hit. Much greater. Because you've now potentially put a barrier between that person and their future relationship with God. Because why would I trust Him when that person claims to be with God and they're doing all kinds of whatever? It's, it's serious. Massively serious. We must be people of stewardship and integrity. Using God's name in a worthless and empty way is to take His name in vain. So worthless and empty, it's just in casual conversation. In the prophecy side of things, they're saying, God told me to tell you this and, and all that. Again, great if God's speaking to you in that way. As Andrew said, we'd love God to just say, Hey Jeff, get out of the way and listen. You're supposed to do this. Love to have that, but it's not going to happen all the time. We have to trust His Word. So, declaring God's Word as your Word in any false way is to take the Lord's name in vain. And, and I remember my grandfather shared with me a video one time about the end times. And I'm trying to remember the name. Ben, no. What was the guy's name? Heavyset guy with lots of white hair. Anyways, claiming all this stuff's going to happen. Zero credibility. That He showed me this video back in early 2000s and everything was going to happen in 2008, 2010. Ah, none of that happened. And, but he claimed it in God's name and he used scripture. Completely discredited the Lord. And number four, just uh, God's name isn't something to be carelessly thrown about. God's name is holy. God's name is reputation. God's name is who he is. God's name is what he's done. So if you think about this in, in the context of what I was asking you about products. Brand name is so important in, in our culture. All they, they want a large company, a successful marketing plan is to associate who they are with the symbol. So the TD Bank symbol, the Coca-Cola symbol. God, God started this from the beginning before those guys ever thought they were creative and smart. He says, my name carries weight and meaning all by itself, just in the name of God or in the capital Lord. It means more. Number five, our use of God's name in word, in thought, or deed will reflect our view of God and our relationship to Him. So how you think about God's name, how you use God's name in word, in thought, or deed will reflect the view and relationship you have with Him. And I liken this to our, our everyday walk. If, if we're in Scripture, and we're deep in it, and we have the absolute reverence for God, should the, should the name of the Lord ever come out of our mouths in conversation carelessly? I don't think so. But that's what God is telling you, and He's encouraging you to do that. It's like, let's get deeper together, let's work together, and then... Um, when you do that, you'll have more reverence for, for the Lord. And I, I put this, the lessons are the most important part. Uh, I don't put this last slide up there as a distraction, but I always appreciate Kevin's. Kevin is a super diligent writer of notes. 
and he's, and he's, he's great with that observation lesson and application. And, and Kevin's always encouraged me <clears throat> that he likes some application content, and I appreciate that about Kevin, because Kevin really is, is diligent with his studying that way. And so I just want to share you with a couple of statements that could come from an application point of view. And so uh, I heard this said, like, everyone's picking on the media about the movies have this, the movies have that, and that. Oh, it's, it's sick. They're doing all this stuff. Well, did you go to the movie? Did you buy the DVD? Did, did you take the time, two hours out of your day, to watch it? You're supporting that. The culture supports the enterprise that they hate. So what do you do? You take a stand and you do something about it. And the one individual, Chip Ingram, talked about, he says, I scraped up the money and took all the kids to, to a movie. Spent $7 a person, which must have been a while ago, because, wow, I'd do that in a heartbeat for the right type of movie. The name of the God was used, misused a number of times. So he looked at his family and says, we're out of here. And so they all walked out of the movie. Money wasted. But it was a teaching moment for his children and those around him. So let's not throw stones at what ought to happen out there. And this is kind of what I wanted to Let's ask God for us, beginning with us individually, that we repent and we get a high view of God. And we live differently, we speak differently, and we have his, his standard, this, this standard. The second thing is, is I'm struggling with something in my life. What's an application point of view? If you're in the Bible on a regular basis and digesting it, God will clean that up for you. And that just comes from giving Him the respect and the reverence that He deserves based on His name and His character. Because if you go back to the, the first slide, what does his, his name and character mean? I'll get there. He's almighty, he's strong, he's prominent, he's everlasting, he's provider, healer, creator, Lord, shepherd, sees all and forgives. So that's, all, that's, that's what the power you have to call on when you give his name respect. Oh, I wasn't supposed to do that. Okay, so we will hit play and we'll go back to the last one. Sorry about that. I ha, found it. Last one. Again, if the Spirit of God lives in you, then His name will matter to you because His character and His reputation is, is as important to you and what He did on the, on the cross is paramount to you. Okay, and that's just some application aspects that I wanted to bring towards uh, the conversation today. And thanks uh, for the opportunity to take some personal study that I wanted to undertake. It forced me to, <laughs> to address it from a good point of view. And uh, I hope that uh, God's Word spoke to you <laughs> in a good way. Thanks, and I'll leave it for discussion.